Welcome to this week's C10 Conversation. I'm Matt Folks. Thank you so much for listening. Please take a second to hit the subscribe button if you haven't done that already. And to be a good friend or good family member, please share this with your family and friends. And if they are Royals fans or if they are men or women of faith, you will probably want to share this week's conversation with them. As you may know, the C10 name of this podcast comes from the name of our leadership and mentoring program for high school students, C10 Mentoring and Leadership. And that comes from the C part of the CU in the Major Leagues. In short, at the backbone of what we do are 10 leadership traits that start with the letter C. Care, character, coach, commitment, comprehension, composure, concentration, competitor, confidence, and courage. When Royals general manager Dayton Moore and his wife Marianne launched CU in the Major Leagues, they did so with the idea that Although the term see you in the major leagues and the 10 C words began with the Royals player development as kind of a motivator for minor league players, characteristics they would need to have to get to the major leagues one day. Really, all of us could benefit from doing our best to live out these 10 C words, not to be major league baseball players, but to be major league people in life, in our communities, in our roles as leaders and mentors, which brings us to a slight tweak in the podcast and this week's guest. Going forward, our goal with each week's guest is to focus on a C word that may apply to him or her the best. And since the C word character is really at the heart of these 10 C words, not to mention one of the 10 C words itself, we wanted to start there with character. And so this week on Wednesday night, we had an opportunity with our C10 students and mentors to talk with a gentleman who really embodies that word, character. Mike Sweeney was one of the most consistent players during his long career with the Royals from 1995 to 2007. He was a five-time All-Star, and he's in the top 10 for several career numbers, including games played, runs scored, hits, doubles, home runs, and RBIs. Not surprisingly, he was elected to the Royals Hall of Fame in 2015, his first time on the ballot. But Mike is one of the most positive people, one of the most character-driven people you could possibly meet. Now, as we usually do when we have a guest speaker with our students, whether it's in person or on Zoom, the version they hear is a lot longer than what you'll hear for the podcast. We we really do that because we we want the guest speaker to feel completely honest and open and share some experiences with the students that sticks with the students. So oftentimes we take a lot of that out, and we've done that here this week. But I have no doubt that anyone can benefit from these next 20, 23 minutes or so with Mike Sweeney. As Dayton Moore has said, Mike breathes life on people unlike anyone I've ever been around in the game. He's extremely positive, optimistic, and encouraging, which is perhaps one of the most impactful ways to motivate people, giving them hope and believing in them. And then Dayton added, one of the most important aspects of leadership is to delight in where you are. Mike Sweeney does that as well as anyone I've ever been around. So with that, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Royals Hall of Famer and current special assistant, baseball operations, Mike Sweeney. How are you, Michael? Thank you, Matt. It's a joy to be on. And uh, man, I didn't realize Dayton thought that way of me. It's an honor that our leader, uh, we talk about leadership. Our leader said such humbling words about me. So it's a, it's a gift to be on with you, students as well. 
You guys are the uh, the future and our next generation. So we want to breathe into you so that you can go and, and breathe into our culture and make a difference and be leaders. Yep. We like to start these with a little thing that we call pregame batting practice, just a chance to get to know you just a little bit better. So here we go. Four questions. Question number one, my hero growing up was? My father. He still is my hero. He's my best friend. Six years ago, my father was diagnosed with esophageal cancer and the doctors said that um, at the Mayo Clinic, the sickest of the sick are usually checked on hour by hour, but my father was checked on minute by minute. We, uh, we called in our, our priest, our Catholic priest, and uh, we asked for a miracle and God granted it. So um, just yesterday I was with my father and um, he is my hero. I, I, I always said my hero never wore a cape or never wore a big league uniform, but he got up at four in the morning to go drive a beer truck. And he gave up his big league dreams. He was a minor league baseball player. But when my mom became pregnant with the first of the eight children, my dad hung up his dreams to go let us kids, us eight children, fulfill ours. So that's an easy question to answer. My, my hero wasn't an actor or an athlete or a musician. It was a man that I got to give a kiss to every night before I went to bed. And it's, it's a man I still kiss at 47 years old. I still get to kiss him on his big cheek and tell him I love him every single day. And if I don't see him, I, I call him. He's he's everything to me. And, and I will say this. I think the last time, I, Mike, you and I saw each other in person was at the Royals-Angels game of two or three years ago, I guess. And you had your kids with you, or at least a, a few of your kids with you, but your yeah. dad was with you. And it was so cool just to watch you guys interact. It was really cool. It was really special. Yeah, thank you. I, I've been blessed with a lot of things in life. Um, a beautiful wife, uh, six beautiful children, a wonderful faith that is a gift from God that he gave to me to love him back. But man, one of the greatest treasures in my life is my, is my, my parents and specifically my, my dad. My, my mom has always been the heart of our home and my dad has always been the rock. And yeah. I like to look at myself as a pebble. I'm just a, a little chip off the old block and I'm blessed to be a, a pebble from that rock. Very cool. Question number two, if not for baseball, I would have been a... If it wasn't for baseball, I, I might have been working at a grocery store in Ontario, California, because I, I, I thought baseball was everything and I, I put my heart into it. Um, I didn't really have a fallback plan. So the message that I would probably share to kids is go to college. Uh, if, if you get an opportunity to play pro ball after that, God bless you. But I didn't have a safety net. I went to play pro ball at 17 years old. And if I got hurt, if I never made it, I simply would have had to gone home and start bagging groceries or working at a laborious job. And I would have had to start over by going to school at 25, 28, 30 years old. Uh, another thing I, th I thought about over the years, I love youth ministry. So when I was in Kansas City, I also helped out a lot in youth ministry and uh, various churches around the diocese. And uh, that's a great gift to uh, pass on the faith that God's been given to us. Question number three, the pitcher I hated facing the most was? Honestly, my dad taught me never to fear anyone. So even I'm sure statistically there's pitchers that got me out, but I didn't dislike facing anyone. Anytime I was in the batter's box and I had a weapon in my hand called a baseball bat, I always say, if I hit somebody in the head with this thing, I'm going to prison. And this guy's got to throw that little white ball over that 17-inch uh, uh, Pentagon, and I'm going to whack the you-know-what out of it. Sometimes pitchers got me out. Sometimes I got them, but I never feared getting in the box against anybody. Very good. And then question number four, if I could meet one person in history, it would be? 
uh, Pope John Paul the Great. He, he was a holy man that changed the world. And uh, I would love to have met this humble Polish man that escaped communism, that brought Christ to the world. Uh, that would be one of my heroes. Very cool. Well, let's let's go back a couple of years and you kind of reference pro ball. But but tell me about 17 year old Mike. So when I signed to play professional baseball, I thought I was going to get the, the monthly pay was eight hundred and fifty dollars a month. So I thought, man, that's a heck of a lot more than the ten dollars allowance that I used to get for doing chores and helping my dad mow the yards and taking out the trash, and cleaning the rooms. And we had eight kids living in a four bedroom house with my mom and dad. So it was a lot of work. But I, I thought, man, 850 is a lot more than that $10 allowance I was getting. So I thought, man, this can be great. So we got paid on every two weeks. So I was expecting a check for $425. But there's a thing called taxes. There's a thing called room and board, Social Security. So after two weeks of pay, of playing minor league baseball and professional baseball, I got $96.75. It equated to about $7.40 a day that I cleared. And I'm going, well, wait a second. And then then they told me they only pay us during the season, which is only two and a half months long. So I'm going, hold on a second, two and a half months. So I'm, you're telling me I'm going to make four hundred and seventy five dollars or around there for the whole year. Um, so minor league baseball is tough and you have to learn to uh, ration uh, one of the greatest meals that I ever eat. I ever ate. And one of the worst meals that I ever ate was on the day 10 of a 10 day road trip. We're in Bend, Oregon. And it's day day 10 and we wake up and I had a dollar 35 in my pocket. My roommate had a dollar and a quarter in his pocket and we were starving. So we went to Safeway. There was a Safeway close to our hotel. We went in. Thank God they had watermelon on sale, nine cents a pound. So we bought about a 12 pound watermelon. <laughs> and then we went and got a, a pack of, I think it was pack of ham and a loaf of bread. We went into the deli section. We begged for about 20 mustard packets, a, a plastic knife and a big spoon. And we cracked that watermelon in half with a plastic knife. We, we opened it up. We sat in front of Safeway in the shade, you know, right by the crosswalk where the strollers go by with people with all these bags of groceries into their cars. We literally sat in the shade. We ate um, a half a watermelon each. And we had about four bread sandwiches with a little slice of thin processed meat on it with a bunch of mustard from the deli. And it was, like I said, the worst meal that I've ever eaten, but yet it was the best because it made me hungry. It made me hungry to push. It made me hungry to look at, at hurdles in the way and say, these aren't, these aren't walls, they're just speed bumps. And I'm gonna find a way to get around them, go over them, dig through them, fight through them, something. But, but that meal made me hungry to keep fighting and keep pushing because uh, I, I didn't wanna starve. You have seven siblings. Where, where did you fall in that line? Uh, I was second oldest of eight children and uh, yeah, my, my seven siblings and I are very close and we're blessed with great parents. So I was looked at as almost like a second father figure. I had to um, step in and help out my siblings as often as I can. I was changing diapers. I was helping cook and clean. When I, when I stepped into the real world at 17, woo, it was a big awakening that I no longer was changing diapers, man. I, I was uh, catching bullpens and uh, learning to live on $7.40 a day. So it was uh, it was a quite an awakening. Hey, this is Matt Folks. I hope you're enjoying this week's conversation. We're going to take a quick break as we introduce you to one of the students in the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. 
My name is Carmen Gudino. I am a senior at Lincoln College Prep. And what I enjoy most about C10 is mostly the community service projects. I love being able to give back to my community while also engaging in activities with my peers. My most favorite service project would probably be Trunk or Treat and also my own service project of making blankets for sick children at Children's Mercy. Thank you so much for helping to make that possible. That's this week's C10 Student Spotlight. Now back to the podcast. So the, the Major League Draft is coming up, as you know. The, the Royals <clears throat> picked you in the 10th round, uh, 1991, out of high school, as, as you mentioned. The draft was a little different. Technology was a little different in 1991 than it is today. But what was what was that time like for you, what, the, the few days leading up to the draft and then the actual weekend of the draft? So, Matt, um, kind of going back to you, you asked what kind of student was I. I was an excellent student. I was a 3.7 uh, GPA student. I, I fared well on the SAT. I was planning on going to college. Uh, I had a scholarship to uh, offered to many colleges. I accepted one to Cal State Fullerton to play baseball. Um, I got draft. I was in the middle of uh, my uh, California history, world history class, and I got a little pink slip sent to me. And, you know, the little office attendant comes in. Uh, I got a note for Mike Sweeney. And I said, yeah, right here. And I didn't get in trouble much. So I was like, that's weird. I got a pink slip. So I go into the office. And um, the principal of the school said, Mike, you uh, have a phone call. I pick up the phone and I hear a voice that has become one of my favorite voices that I've ever heard. And he says, hello, Mike, Mike Sweeney, this is Art Stewart here. Um, I'm calling on behalf of the Kansas City Royals, letting you know that we drafted you in the 10th round of the June draft. And we hope that you'll become a part of the Royals family. Now, Art Stewart, as you know, Matt, is the godfather of the Kansas City Royals. He's 93 years old. He's one of the greatest baseball men to ever live. And he was blessed to be the one to give me the news. And uh, later that night, um, a scout showed up at my house. We negotiated a deal and um, it worked out great. So I was able to be a Royal for um, 17 years from the time I signed through five years of minor league baseball through 13 years in, uh, in the major leagues. And then after I got done playing major league baseball with a few other teams, I don't even want to mention the other teams because oh, yeah, they yeah. pale. They pale in comparison to the Royals. <laughs> then I came back and, and I'm, I'm honored to work in, a, in the role of servant leadership with Dayton Moore, Matt Morosco, Reggie Sanders, uh, Blaine Boyer, and of course, the great Willie Akins. So um, I, now I'm, I'm a Royal for 20 something years, 25 to 28 years. But like we always say, once a Royal, always a Royal. And I'll be a Royal for life. What are you guys doing as far as leadership goes and the message that you're sending around to the minor league system, major league guys? Yeah, that's great, Matt. What is a leader? Simply, the definition of a leader is one who makes those around him better. That's my definition of a leader. My role as a leader is whether I'm in rookie ball with a 17-year-old kid that was in my shoes 30 years ago, or I'm in the big leagues with a guy making $25 million a year. My job is simply to make them better. Um, how do I do that? I love the word encourage. The word encourage means to put forth courage into somebody else. How do you do that? You serve them. You throw them batting practice. You hit them ground balls. You encourage them when they're going through a hard time. You let them know how good they are. Uh, you go in the video room and you show them, hey, quit watching yourself strike out. Let's watch yourself hit 25 home runs. This is who you really are. It's simply making those around us better, whether it's a 17-year-old a struggle in rookie ball or a big leaguer making $25 million. It's it's from helping them uh, in the training room, help them 
cry away a tear saying, hey, you're going to be back. It might be a year, but you're going to be back or helping him celebrate a, a big contract or a home run or a World Series victory like I was blessed to do with you, Matt, and Dayton Moore and Jeff Davenport and, and being in the locker room in 2015 when we won that World Series. You're giving me chills running through that, but now I'm thinking about your Major League debut just basically four or five years after getting drafted, and that gives me chills thinking about that as well. Is that an experience that any Major Leaguer can never forget? Never. It's, it's almost like um, you know your wedding day, uh, the birth of your first child, uh, when you go to the big leagues for the first time, it's to all you kids out there that are dreaming of it, um, keep dreaming of it. But I will tell you this, your world is kind of wide open right now. If, if I had my arms open like this, um, your possibilities, your your dreams, they're wide open for you to embrace. If you really want to achieve your dreams, keep your dreams wide open and don't let any garbage um, get in the way of you achieving that dream. If if you have a friend that's not helping you, it's either change your friends or change your friends, meaning you better change those around you to make them walk like you because you're going somewhere. Or you say, I'm going to change my friends. I'm going to hang out with friends. that are going to help me walk where I'm going. Because if you try to walk where you're going and achieve your dreams and you have friends that are dragging you down, not only are you never going to achieve your dreams, but they're going to drag you to become the person they are. So that's my encouragement to you guys is, Change your friends or change your friends. Very well said. Mike, we've, I mean, if somebody just listens to you for 10 seconds, it's, it's kind of like Dayton. It's, it's pretty easy to tell if they didn't know already. And, and some of our students probably had never heard you before tonight. If they didn't hear you before, didn't study you, within about 10, 15 seconds, they'll know you're a Christian. You've That's talked right. about your faith. How did that play out during your career? And I'm going to come back to Tony Muser here in a second. So we'll stay yep. away from that piece for just a moment. But yep. how did, you know, especially in a, in a high pressure job that, I mean, you're traveling on the road away from your quote unquote home for three months. How yep. did that play out for you? So number one, uh, people ask me, what was the most joyful day of my life? Was it playing an all-star game, signing a million dollar contract? The best day of my life was at St. Margaret Mary Church in Chino, California, 17 years old when I got on my knees and I received Christ into my life as my savior. I'd always gone to church. It always been my family's faith. Um, my family brought us up in a good Christian home, but it wasn't until I was on a retreat thinking it was my last turn the tassel. I'm graduating from having to go to Sunday school. It was on a Wednesday night, um, but I came into encounter Christ and it wasn't the end of my spiritual journey. It was the beginning. So I went to spring training about a, uh, two months after that. And I had my first ever Bible. I actually, I have it right behind me here in my office. Um, it's all beat up and weathered and tattered. But I read that sucker from cover to cover a few times. And I got to know who God is and how much he loved me. And then um, in the locker room, how did my faith play out? Well, I wanted to honor God. So when we were on the road, um, it's called accountability. I would ask my teammates, hey, I don't want to watch something that we shouldn't watch as, as followers of Christ. I said, I'm probably the only guy that has to deal with stuff like this, but why don't we get adjoining rooms? And uh, you, you say that I see you in chapel and Bible study. Let's get adjoining rooms so we can open the doors and hold each other accountable. And we can live and, and play baseball with purity and freedom. And man, every year, Matt, I'd have guys tears rolling down their cheeks and saying, I've struggled with the same thing. And I've never been confronted with a brother who wants me to hold him accountable and him to hold me accountable. So pray as if everything depends on God and act as if everything depends on you. St. Augustine said that hundreds of years ago, and that's how I lived. 
I trusted God like everything depended on him, which it does. But I also acted as if everything depends on me, which it doesn't. But I want to be a good example to my brothers. Well, we mentioned Tony Muser, who was he was about as old school as old school could be. And yep. he made a comment. You guys were losing a few games and chewing on cookies and drinking milk and praying is not going to get it done. And then he went on to say some more things. And some people uh-huh. felt, Mike, that was a knock on you and, yeah. and a couple other guys that were very open about their faith. But as a leader, as a leader of the team, how did you handle that behind closed doors with your teammates? So, number one, I took that newspaper article and I walked right into our skipper's office and I slammed it on the desk and I said, what is this? And we had a great talk. And uh, he cleared the air and the media tried to spin that. And I know that Tony loves me. In fact, Matt, on Father's Day, I wanted to call the men in my life that have been impactful to me and important to me. And I called Tony Muser and I said, Tony, in 1999, when the whole organization said, send that kid out, release him, send him to Ontario, let him go work at a grocery store. He's done. He'll never catch another day in the big leagues. I said, you are the one that gave me a chance. And I began to cry. And I said, I just want to say thank you. And he goes, Michael, I'm retired. He goes, it's Father's Day. I'm sitting with my wife of 50 years and my children. He said, you don't know how much this means to me that a kid would call me. But I will tell you this. It's a, it's a funny. That next season, it was kind of like his way of saying, hey, look, it's just us. We're safe. His nickname for me was Reverend. And he, he is gruff. He was a military guy. And his first day of spring training, there's 75 guys. And everyone's all excited. Everyone's all buff from lifting all winter. And he's like, hey, Reverend. I said, yeah, Skipper. I got a question to ask you. I said, Skipper, yeah, what do you got? Uh, well, I got to know. Are you still walking with the Lord, son? I said, you're doggone right I'm still walking with the Lord. He goes, well, I want to let you know something. It's okay if you walk with the Lord on this team. But doggone it, you got to learn to walk with the bases loaded too. <laughs> so it was Tony's way of, of just saying, hey, man, I love you just how you are. You can go to... So it was, it was cool. And the way we handled it, it was behind closed doors, but it was the right way to do it. Very good. I asked you at the beginning about 17-year-old Mike. If you could go back now, what would you tell him? Ooh, that's, I've never been asked that question. Wow. I'd probably, I'd probably tell him, hey, when you're over 20 and your hometown fans are booing you and you're trying your best, it's okay. When you lose 100 games, time and time again, and it rips your heart out of your chest because you're a winner and all you want to do is win a championship. It's okay. When you're away from your wife and kids on the road and you're crying yourself to sleep at night and you can't breathe because your back's killing you, it'll be okay. So uh, I would probably just tell that 17 year old kid, like you just keep being that man, um, that, that pebble, Uh, you are named after your father. And you're a pebble, a chip off the old block. And your father gave up his big league dream so that you could have yours. So it's going to be okay. Um, with that, uh, students, and see, now you have you got a hard act to follow because you got to follow Mike there. <laughs> your questions. Sydney? What was it about the Kansas City Royals that made you fall in love with the organization? Um, what made me fall in love with the Kansas City Royals is they loved me before I loved them. They, at 17 years old, I was your age, Sydney, 17 years old when they drafted me and said, we want to invite you to be a part of our family. And I always was told, uh, don't embarrass your family name. And when the Royals invited me to be a part of their family, 
I never wanted to embarrass my family's name, the Kansas City Royals. So when my teammates and some other people were trying to do stupid things, I said, I'm not embarrassing my family. And when I was offered a job to work for teams here in San Diego or LA, major league teams, I said, I'm not going to embarrass my family. I'd rather jump on a flight to Kansas City to work rather than drive 20 minutes. So they loved me first, and I never wanted to ever embarrass that great name. Let's go with Avery. Hi there, Mike. Uh, my name's Avery. I'm 16, and I'm going to be a junior. And I'd like to thank you for coming out and meeting with all of us. It's, it's a real pleasure. You mentioned being away from your family. How, would you, how did you balance that when you were on the road, and how did you deal with that? That's a great question. So, Avery, I got ridiculed because um, I was the captain of the team. And after the games, a lot of the guys like to go to places they shouldn't. And they said, Sweeney, why don't you come with us? You're the captain of this team. And I said, guys, I'm not doing that. I love my wife and my kids a heck of a lot more than I love you. And I said, I'll be your teammate. I'll get to the ballpark early. We'll hang out, hang out in the clubhouse after the games. But I always said, I'm, I'm never going to put myself in a position where I could fail. And uh, so I just would go to my room and call my wife and kids. And of course, on Sunday morning, I, I get up early and I was, it, was, it was hard getting up at 6.30 in the morning after getting home from a uh, Saturday night game at 1 in the morning to get a cab and get your room packed up to go to church. But every Sunday, that was, that was what I did. And that's, that's how I was able to maintain um, who I was during my major league career. Very good. Well, Mike, thank you so much for doing this. God bless you all. Thanks for having me on, Matt. See you, Mike. Thank you. Well, that does it for this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we hope that you'll leave a favorable review on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't enjoy it or you have other comments or suggestions for potential guests, you can click on the comment link in the show's notes. We drop a new episode at the end of every week, but be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. And if you or your company would like to help underwrite this podcast, let me know. Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the CU and the Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care.